This episode of the Garage Build Podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The Fran Hosh Law Group, Palm Harbor, Florida. Personal injury attorneys. Go to lawfran.com or call 1-800-LAW-FRAN. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. You're a craftsman. So you spend a little bit extra for tools made in the USA and guaranteed for life. Why should your workwear be any different? Let's face it, you work in some tough situations. You need tough workwear that works with you, not against you. 1620 Workwear builds the toughest, most comfortable workwear right here in the USA. The science is in the fabric, from fit and finish to comfort. 1620 Workwear has a fit for almost any environment, no matter your trade. 1620 Workwear is ready to go to work right away and needs no break-in period. It's also guaranteed for life. Visit www.1620usa.com or follow on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 Workwear, American-made and guaranteed for life. Badlands Lighting Modules has brought American-made products and values to your garage for over 30 years with the best products and best warranty available in the industry. And since 1999, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has created American-made wiring solutions for builders and bikers alike. Today, Electric Lighting Company Products offers the best in aftermarket lighting for your Harley-Davidson Indian or custom-built motorcycle, period. Visit your local electric lighting dealer or electriclighting.com. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C, lighting.com. Hello, Garage Build Podcast listeners. I'd like to talk to you today about a product that I use every single day, and I'm proud to be associated with it. It's a company called Fix Your Lid, and they make grooming products that are available at all Target stores or online at Target.com. Here's what you need to know about Fix Your Lid. Their most important claim is that they source every one of their raw materials in the United States down to the boxes they arrive in. Basically, if it's made in another country, they will refuse it, even if that means spending significantly more money to do so. I use their shampoo and their pomade, but they also make conditioners and hair gels, and most of their products are available in trial sizes or travel sizes, whichever you choose, and they're not going to break the bank. Again, these are made in the United States of America all the way down to the raw materials and even the raw materials to make their packaging. So go to Target.com or follow Fix Your Lid on Instagram at Fix Your Lid and get yourself some high-quality grooming products made in the good old U.S. of A. today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hell on Wheels Garage Built Podcast. As always, I am your gracious host, Mr. Jason Hallman. And today I've got a very good episode for you. Episode 38 features a returning guest, Mr. Jared Weems from Weems Motor Co. in the Tampa Bay area. Also a good friend of his, David Tyler. And David Tyler is the curator of a charity nonprofit here in the local Tampa Bay area called The Forgotten Angels. If you haven't heard of them, you will know very much about them after this episode and why this episode is so critical is because there is a group of individuals that when they are foster children and they turn 18, they're told to kick rocks basically, and they're sent out into the world with no scaffolding at all, no help, no family, no money, 
no job, no education, no way to make a way in life. And Forgotten Angels Florida steps in and provides a place for these young people to start their lives. They give them life work skills, a place to live, some food, some money, anything they need to get them where they need to be so they can be contributing adults in the community. So I'm very happy to introduce to you Mr. Jared Weems and Mr. David Tyler from Forgotten Angels, Florida. I think the one that I just uploaded this week I did with, um, I think it was Kyle Rice. Did, do, you I, know, I, do you know Kyle? I do not. But I seen the post. I was like, oh, I got to listen to this. He's one, a so. neat kid. Yeah. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. And I like I like when young people have, are enthusiastic about what they're doing, you know. Yeah. So um, I'm already recording. We can kind of start the conversation where we want. Um, Jared, uh, or actually David, if, David Tyler, right? Yeah. And you're from Forgotten Angels, Florida? Yeah. Yeah. I've, okay. Uh, been with the organization since 2016. Um, Quentin and myself um, decided one day, Quentin the actor from The Blind Side, we were um, decided on a Thursday, hey, let's go bowling on Thursday. And so <laughs> we we said, hey, let's, it'd be fun, let's invite some kids and if anybody wants to come out and, and, and bowl with us. And so one of the girls that supports the foundation, Marissa Viano, she called Cindy Tilly, who I didn't know at the time, right. and said, hey, Quentin and Aaron from the blind side is going to be up at Tampa Lanes on uh, Dale Mabry. If you want some of your kids to meet him, you know, we can make that happen. And so she came up and told us what she was doing, and then one of her friends, Jennifer, came up to me and said, uh, you know, she's such a saint. She's an amazing person. She funds the entire foundation out of her own pocket. I'm like, was she rich or <laughs> what's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> and she told me she doesn't. She's not. She actually has two kids. She has a full-time job, and that she just has a heart of gold. And so Quentin and I decided well, it's something we, somebody we need to support. And so we did an, another event uh, for them called Seeds of Success. We donated all the money to Forgotten Angels. A couple of weeks later, hey, David, we're doing this. Can you help here? A week after that, hey, can Quentin say this? Hey, we got this kid that loves him. Can he send him a message? And um, we realized it was all from the heart. She was, you know, paying for cell phones, food, um, education, you name it. And so that's how I, you know, got introduced to it. And then when Quentin moved back out to L.A. to continue making more movies, I started helping more and more and more. And, and um, she asked me to come on as executive director. Um, I accepted, and here I am. So, and uh, Jared Weems is here from Weems Motor Co., and uh, he is how we came to know David Tyler. And um, thank you for being on a couple of weeks ago, too. I appreciate that. I mean, anytime, you know, as a content creator, when you have somebody who's actually doing something noteworthy and content worthy, it makes it, you see that spike. I mean, I'm sure you see, uh, David, when you guys do something, there's, there's, whether it be in the community or whether it be whatever space it is that you occupy, when you do something substantive, you mm -hmm. see a return. It's like, you know, it's that old, um, 
I'm trying to think of what the metaphor is where somebody, the more, the more good you put out, the more good. Uh, I think Russell Simmons actually said, mm -hmm. uh, this is what I was trying to think of. Good givers are good getters, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you're giving to something, then that's something that you're giving to generally has, has a way of paying back dividends. It's not mm -hmm. always money, but money isn't, money's right. only one measurable metric. I mean, yeah. you know, it's tough to put enthusiasm into a bottle. Mm -hmm. But if we could, we'd all we'd all be rich. We would probably <laughs> be on an island somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the amount of enthusiasm through the midst of building this motorcycle and, and working with Forgotten Angels has just been like, you know, I keep saying over and over because I've talked to so many people about this project that, you know, it's not about me, man. I'm like, I could care less if I get a commission for a build. Um, you know, I could care less if you buy a T-shirt or a sticker or a hat or whatever. I was like, you know, just to have the opportunity uh, to support these people, man. I think if more people catch on to that idea saying that, you know, I've got this talent, I've got this ability instead of hoarding, you know, these things for ourselves to make money, uh, to be able to reach out to somebody else that doesn't have that resource that doesn't have that ability and say, Hey man, I can, you know, help you out with this, you know, and, and whether it's, you know, with us in the motorcycle community, I have so many people reaching out to me now with, you know, their Triumph motorcycles. Hey, I got this old bike from my dad. You know, I, I don't know how to work on it. I'm like, where do you live? Yeah. I can come over. You know, it might be something easy that I can work on right in your garage, but I can help you out, you know, and, and that's what I'm doing with Forgotten Angels. It's like they don't have the resources to build a motorcycle to this level. I can do it, and I can, you know, help you guys to receive – this awesome blessing to be able to help these kids over there, man. That's what it's all about. You know, I have a heavy heart um, when I think about certain things, but, and maybe David, you could speak on this is I have tried, I've uh, been in this business for 18 years. I tried several different times to, um, to do something that would be considered philanthropic. I mean, that's, that's a tough space to occupy. There's a, a book that I talk about all the time. And, and I know this is a motorcycle podcast, but we're motorcycle people, so let's let's just say that whatever we talk about, we kind of can draw that parallel to that, right? If mm -hmm. you, we're all three of us are articulate enough to kind of pull that back and pull it in. But there's a book called uh, Guide to Understanding Poverty, and it was written by uh, a doctor, a woman named Ruby K. Payne. And when I started teaching at a Title One school, they said, "Hey, this is this is required reading as a teacher here. We need you to understand this space because you need to understand where these kids come from. You need to understand systemic." poverty. You need to understand abject poverty. And you have to understand that so much good comes out of bad situations. Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan talks about it on his podcast all the time about how some of the funniest people, most successful people, um, at least in certain spaces, right? Not maybe not over the course of their whole life, but, you know, su successful performers, and actors and things like that. People that create, you know, art, um, come from very troubled backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're two parent homes with troubled backgrounds. Sometimes they're not, but it's very tough to get people to understand what I do and how I want to help what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you talk David on, um, when you, when you put yourself into a space where you're trying to do philanthropic things and very benevolent things that are above, I mean, they're beyond, the end of your driveway or beyond the end of your bank account. How do you, how do you, how do you take that? Like, cause as for me, I take it very, you know, I've, I've called, I'll give you, I called Susan G. Komen breast cancer foundation. Okay. This is almost 20 years ago. We were building a bunch of bikes. We built a bunch of bikes for Napa auto parts that they gave away. Right. So I understood that like, okay, they pay us to build a motorcycle. We give it away. Right. 
I went to Big Bear Choppers and said, hey, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to build a bike for the Susan G. Komen Foundation. They built a bike called a Misbehaving. It was a kit bike, right? Mm-hmm. And you, everything comes in a big box. Right. And there's a motorcycle in this box, but you've got to somehow find a way to make it into motorcycle a motorcycle. Motorcycle Lego. Right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it was. And Kevin said, yeah, I'll give you a Misbehaving motorcycle. So I'm like, okay, I got a bike that's designed around a woman or a smaller framed individual, right? That's kind of marketed towards a lady. Mm-hmm. I called up Susan G. Komen and talked to their promotion department. And I'm like, hey, I'm Jason, JR Cycle Works. I build choppers. I have this custom chopper I want to build. I actually had a friend who had a connection with Oprah who and eBay, okay? So the idea was we were going to build the bike. eBay was going to auction it off. Oprah was going to promote it. And this bike, all the proceeds were going to go to this breast cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. And the lady I was trying to explain to her, she's like, chopper? I don't, what a mm-hmm. chopper? And I'm like, okay, uh, fine. <laughs> Paul Tuttle, American chopper, motorcycle. She goes, what? Helicopter? <laughs> and I, I was just, nothing. and so like, oh, it was boy. like a series of 10 phone calls of me calling them to explain what I wanted to do to where they finally said, you know what? It's not a good fit. And I thought, wait a minute. How is giving a potential 50,000 or hundred back then kit by, uh, you know, like promotional bikes were getting hundred thousand dollars pretty easily, mm-hmm. pretty easily. I thought, I, I don't understand. I don't understand th- that response. So from somebody who is running a charitable organization, how do you, uh, where do you get that? Like, how do you vet that? Well, first of all, everything um, stems from my passion for the kids. Right. It doesn't make a difference whether or not it's an organization that, um, you know, does motorcycles or, you know, peanut butter. Um, They look and they see what I'm doing. They look to see whether or not there's an impact. They look at my heart. Right. They want to know, you know, I mean, could this guy be doing something else, anything else other than what he's doing to, to, to make money? You know, I'll be honest and I digress, but my boys think that Jared's an alien. They just can't understand how. Somebody, and if, you know, you're talking about boys that have been scrounging their whole lives right. you know, to, to, to make ends meet, to, to get something. They just can't gather that this man doesn't have an ulterior motive for building a motorcycle, raffling it off, and donating all the money to the organization that supports their growth. So l- let's unpack that right, real quick. There's a lot in that statement. Oh, yeah. You're talking about somebody that has been either – made promises to somebody that, that's a broken toy, right? I, you oh, know, yeah. broke in, in, in a good way. I don't mean it in a, in a negative way that they're, that they're broken and can't be fixed. I mean, you can fix a broken toy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's telling about what kind of world we live in where even somebody who has nothing thinks there's an ulterior motive mm-hmm. to, to somebody that wanting to help them. It's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough place. How do you, how do you, how do you navigate those waters with these young people? Day after day, you prove to them that they're worthy of your efforts. Okay. Every single morning I wake up and I try to find ways of letting them know that I love them, I support them, and I encourage them, and I promote anything that they want to do that's beneficial to their futures. And by repetition, by hearing and seeing and believing every day that I'm there for their benefit, it's, it's kicking in. You know, some of the boys... You know, I always tell them, you know, when they first get here, you know, there's no reason to steal from me because I'll give you anything I have anyway. Right. It's like, uh, have you ever seen the movie Trading Places? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where they take Eddie Murphy. And that's a very irreverent movie. I I realized that I watched it for the first time in 20 years. But there's a point in there where they bring him into the house. 
right? And, Such and a it, classic, though. It is good. <laughs> but they bring Dan Aykroyd, or they bring Eddie Murphy into Dan Aykroyd's house, and he's still dressed in his street clothes, mm-hmm. and he's grabbing handfuls of cigars and putting exactly. things in his pocket, and they're like, this is... It's your stuff. This is your stuff. You mm-hmm. can do whatever you want with it, and he starts bobbling that face. But getting back to your, your point, I want to hear... I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted to draw a parallel for somebody who's maybe listening, like, kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, they, they just believe at some point in time somebody's going to take away what they have because it's happened so many times. Um, one of the boys, and, and Jared you know, talks about the story now once he's heard about it, uh, his name is Junior. Junior got to the property, and he'd be the guy that if you, if you gave him $1,000 on Thursday for free, for nothing, if you shortchanged him $10 on on, on the next day, on Saturday or Monday or the next day or whatever the, the, the situation may be, he would be at your throat for that $10. And he'd be like, wait a second, I just gave you $1,000. That's, that's besides the point. You owe me $10, you know. And he was just one of those kids that was just all about junior. Well, we had a kid that was, um, he's been with us for about five months now. But when we learned about him, he had been living in his car since May of 2019. And when junior heard that he was on his way there, he, he had built a little workshop and this kind of ties into what we do. He was taking bicycles and putting little, those little 80cc motors on them and turning them into little you know, motorized bicycles. He took everything out of the shop, put a bed, posters, lights. Um, he went out and actually used his own money to buy some snacks and some drinks and put it in there. Stayed up until 11.30 until Isaac got there so he could introduce himself and show him his new place to sleep. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, are you, is that you? <laughs> Are you in there? So, so there, you, there's a couple things in there. How do you teach? And I want to be very, very careful with my words because where it comes from is, is not having been in that situation. So there's a lot of ignorance. And in, in, in so if I say something, it's, it's from a good place. How do you teach accountability while teaching um, community? I don't believe in the word teach. I believe in the word, I guess it's, it's accountability for what you do. Right. You know, and I, I believe in demonstrating. Demonstrating. You know, that's. For I, me, you, I do, we do, you do. Yeah, I just, I just show them every day by how I respect them, how I respect myself, how I respect my belongings, how I respect what their choices are and the things that they want to do and how I buy into their, their dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never tried to get them to, to do what I think is best for them. I try to find out and, and, and work with them to find, uh, you know, a pathway to success. And then I make that my mission. So is that like a devil devil's advocacy thing? Like if you ever sit down with, I don't know what your situation do what I do, was. Not what I say. Well, no more of a, Hey Dave, I'm thinking about doing X, Y, and Z, and you go, well, what? Okay, what? Which one do you really want to do? I want to do Y. Well, have you thought about this? Mm-hmm. I mean, is it is it is it that kind of thing? Like, is it a scaffolding thing, or is it? I mean, I understand something that I've had to learn, especially doing podcasting now as part of what I do, mm-hmm. listening to understand, not listening to respond. Right. So there's a communicative thing that happens there where there has to be a quid pro quo where you you bring yourself down to the level that they're thinking at and they're operating it. Because obviously, you know, you've done a few things to put yourself in a position where you are able to help these young men. Mm-hmm. 
right? So you're not in their situation. So how do you parse that out so they see that? I, I really remove myself from their past in that I, I don't try to act like I know where they've been or who they are. I had two incredible parents that fed me until the day that they died. I, I tell people all the time, I haven't learned a damn thing in, since the day my father passed <laughs> yeah, on December 13th, 2013. You know, um, That's a tough day. Yeah, and so for me, the most important thing is it's, it's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you. Oh yeah, it's all about you. So I try to, you know, and Cindy has been there. She grew up in foster care. She aged out of foster care. She spent nine years, you know, having things taken from her, having promises made to her that were unfulfilled. Um, she told me the first time she told me a story about how her foster parents asked her what she wanted for Christmas and then turned around and bought all those gifts for their own biological kids, uh, bought her nothing. Wow. She literally sat there and watched those two siblings open up gifts from the ideas that she gave their, their biological parents. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, how does that happen? So I, I can't understand what they've missed out on or, or, or what they've been through, but I do understand what they've missed out on. Uh. So my goal, and every day I channel Raymond Tyler, my father. I literally, you know, how, you know how Christians will always say, what would Jesus do? Right. Ten times a day I say, what would Raymond do? Yeah, that's something that I don't know if you, I think you still have your dad, do you not? No, my dad passed away five years ago. Oh, that's right. We talked about that yeah. in the podcast. You have to forgive me. I no, talk, you're good. You talk to a lot of people. My dad uh, passed. It'll be two years, September third, mm -hmm. and that's. Uh, I I catch myself wanting to run things by him. Pick up the phone. Uh, call. Pick up the phone. That, yeah. It's a very. That's the biggest that's, habit yeah. to break. Is that's, where you're like. I'm it like, happened I gotta, to me like a couple of weeks ago, man. I talked to dad about this motorcycle thing. And, and then you're like, I you know you want to call dad and tell him what's going on at the shop because mm -hmm. dad this was dad mm -hmm. and I and now Amanda. Um, it's a, it's, it's a heavy, it's, it's a bit of a, a bit of a burden to carry. I, my friend, Corey Souza, his dad just died like a week and a half ago and mm. or two weeks ago. And I talked to him finally for the first time yesterday. And, uh, Corey's always the dude I call. It's like, what's up, bro? You know I mean? He's always like, you know, just full, full blown slang talk, having a good time. Just, Hey, just checking on each other, that kind of thing. And I talked to him yesterday and it broke my heart a little bit. You know, I'm not that close with him to where I can just, you know, we have dinner and break bread, but we're not like, you know, I'm not in his, I'm not in his head, right? you know, and you hear that and you're like, God dang, man, that's. Yeah. Especially you when you've been through it yourself, you know, you know where the pain they're at. You, you don't call him back and, you know, that phone call, hey, what's up, bro? It's like, man, how, how are you doing? Yeah. I know I what it's like. I want to check on you. Yeah. You know, I told him, I says, you've got to, you know, you've got to, you know, I don't know what it was like, um. When, when my dad passed, it was like I felt this energy that I had I had to do something, like, yeah. you know. And so those types of things are just priceless moments. We've all had them. You've obviously yeah. had a calling. This is a calling for you, right? I mean, this is what you do, but yeah. this is a calling. It really is. You know, I can't remember one birthday from when I was 10, 11, 12. I don't remember a gift, a particular gift. What I remembered was that I was loved. Yeah, and that there was cake and ice cream. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> every year, we have we've we've had about thirty four to thirty five boys that have come through the property, and about twenty five of them celebrated their eighteenth birthday, 
having to pack their stuff and come to Forgotten Angels. Mm. I, I don't... I, I'm at a... I, I'm very infrequently am I at a loss of words, and that's really all I can come up with is that I'm at a loss. It just this... I've never heard anything that's ever made me have this visceral of a response. I don't understand it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's not... I don't know. I don't even know what the first thing I could do to understand it. What? How do you get somebody like myself that didn't even think that this was something that would ever occur? How do you get us to understand it in a, in a way that is digestible? Because it really is as a heart. That's a beautiful picture. I've got tons of them. I've got too many of them. We're going through. That's your Instagram feed. No, this is my Facebook. Oh, your Facebook. Okay. Like almost. Every, you know, third or fourth week, you know, we're we're celebrating a birthday of one of the boys that showed up. And, and we literally, when somebody shows up, the first thing that Cindy does, she goes out and buys a birthday cake. You know, because almost all of them spent the morning packing. I, I just, uh, how do you... Can you can you unpack that for us? Can you explain that to people that are listening? What we're exactly what we're talking about? And go through. Take me take me through like take us through where how that conversation starts with that young individual and and in the headspace that they're in when a, they're doing a, that. A lot of time it starts out it starts off with usually substance abuse in the family. I don't think we have any of the boys who actually there's one who didn't have a father growing up and then lost their mother and ended up in foster care. But the majority of them end up in foster care because of they were removed from the family because of either negligence or abuse. Okay. And so a, a lot of this happens when they're, they're two, three, four, five. We have one of our boys, I won't name his name, but he started off in foster care on day one. Mother had, had you know, was using, um, while she was pregnant, he was removed and put immediately into foster care. I used to be a guardian ad litem. I guess I, I still am. I just don't have any cases right now. And it, it's just, you know, heartbreaking to, to see. What is a guardian ad litem? A guardian ad litem is a, is a court-ordered advocate for the children. Our sole responsibility is to do our best to, um, to um, create reunification. If at all possible, we try to... Um, help the parents get their kids back. That's our first option, you know. Okay. And so our responsibility is to do home checks, is to make sure that the um, attorney for the guardian one is doing their job, that the foster parents, that any medical organizations are doing their job. So uh, we really have a, a huge responsibility, and, and we actually have a court order, a physical paper. So if I knock on the door of a parent who's had their, their children removed, I can walk right in and look around and make sure that they're doing what they're doing, that there's no drugs in the house, no firearms, that they've been going to their parenting classes. And so it's a, it's a huge responsibility. But going back to the kids, when they're four, five, six, they're cute and cuddly, and a lot of parents, a lot of people, you know, want the younger kids. They want babies. And there's, a, you know, I, and I understand that. But once they, you know, grow some hair on their face and they're, they're looking their dad square in the eye, with some objections and maybe a little attitude and, 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 and rightfully so, because that's not their father. They didn't receive the same things that I did uh, or that you did or Jared did. You know, we, we talk of our, of our parents fondly. Some of these kids don't have anybody that they talk about that fondly. They're a paycheck and they know it. And that's <laughs> the sad part. A lot of these boys know that they are a paycheck. 
And so when we created, or when Cindy created uh, Forgotten Angels, you know, she was running this out of her garage, you know. And when I came to uh, into her world with the resources of having worked with a Danny Glover, having worked with a Quentin Aaron, a star for the blind side, I had organizations that believed in the work that we were doing. And so it was easier for us to find some of the support. So we moved into a house, and then five months later, we purchased the property that, that uh, one day you guys are going to come riding in on, on a motorcycle and ride with me. Um, but it's 12 acres, two lakes, we have ATVs, we have a workshop, we have a pavilion, we've got um, more food that, that, you know, that we could ever, that the boys could ever eat. We literally donate food to three or four other charities when we have an overflow. So some of the things that they would make mistakes for um, to stay fed. We mm -hmm. had one of our boys, um, again, won't name names, but he actually was selling weed. Okay, is it against the law? Absolutely is. But he's literally using the money from the sale of the weed to purchase food, not just for himself, but the entire group home. I mean, how that's against the law, I get it. I, no, you know? I, I, but I, you're talking a, to somebody who's a very big advocate for yeah. the normalization and legalization. Yeah, so of, I'm of, Canadian. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it's I'm, been legal every year. I'm, I'm, I'm smart, I'm intelligent. And it should be illegal everywhere. Yeah. I just think it should be. Yeah. And so, um, and we don't have to, I mean, that, that, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to touch on is that this is so many things get politicized. So many good causes get, yeah, get uh, contaminated when people want to spit in the soup. And I, and I question why certain people are involved with certain organizations. And then you, you sit, I, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a malevolent person at all. I just, you don't, you have these ideas. I've approached, you know, celebrities about building uh, motorcycles. I approached Everlast uh, from House of Pain. His daughter suffers from cystic fibrosis. I said, hey, I've got a bike, you know, and now I don't have the ability to do it. And I want to talk to you about that. Like, I can't afford to build a bike and give it away. But if I could build a bike and keep the cost down and don't charge any labor, like somebody covers the parts, I donate, donate the labor and we raffle the bike off and the money goes back to the cover of the parts and everything else goes to the charity, the proceeds. Then, mm -hmm. and, and I know you're doing yours differently. Um, I believe, um, you know, but I can't afford, I can only afford to do what I can do. Right. Mm -hmm. But I can, I have time. I've got abilities. I've got effort. And, uh, we talked and communicated and, and he was, he seemed on board and then, then you, it just, it's crickets, you know, and I don't, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're kind of touching on it a minute ago when you're talking about the organization you were trying to approach with building the motorcycle for and everything like that. So as I was building this motorcycle, I was basically, you know, I was inspired by Mike Davis from Born Free. He said, hey, we're going to do this special class of pre-unit motorcycles. And after going through all my brain tumor and seizures and everything, that it was kind of like a place where I'm like, okay, well, this might be an opportunity for me to regain a sense of normalcy to my life because building motorcycles was normal before right. all the seizures and things. And so I approached my wife and, you know, say, I got this awesome opportunity. I'm going to build this motorcycle. And, and, you know, obviously it takes money and it takes time uh, to do that. And so my wife was, you know, she was on board to say, hey, let's do this. And all with the understanding that once I got done that I'm just going to sell the motorcycle, you know, because, you know, obviously draining my, my savings account is yeah. not – 
you know, it's not a financially smart decision. And so through the midst of this, we were just, you know, started the build and it gained traction. And I was like, you know what, this so much traction has built that the motorcycle is worth so much more than I could even sell it to somebody for, um, just because of the story behind it and, and the, with the David Mann and the painting and everything. And I thought, you know, what greater opportunity than to just say, Hey, I'm going to raffle this bike off and I'm just going to give the money away and just give it out to, you know, this, this organization. So it's a tough pill to swallow to say to do that. But what was funny was when I kind of had this thought in my head, you know, this kind of God calling moment was like, how do I approach an organization that takes care of boys and say, Hey, I've got this feeling in my spirit that I want to do this for you. Are you on board? (laughs) <laughs> and so it was it was amusing so i kind of started texting back and forth between cindy and david and um and never n- didn't know that they were into motorcycles at all and uh had the opportunity to go out to the to the property and and, and go to the pavilion sit at the table and just kind of say hey this is where my heart's at this is what i want to do is this something you guys would you know partner with me and and do and it was it was almost like, you know, it was, I call it like a God thing. You know, all the, all the numbers lined up, everything fell through. And uh, they're like, yeah, you know, absolutely. We actually ride motorcycles. And I'm like, oh, wow, this makes it a lot easier conversation right. this, to sell this motorcycle. And you tell the story behind it. Um, and, yeah, so it's been, a, it's been an amazing process. I mean, for me, you know, the whole uh, organization of, of a raffle and working with the nonprofit and how all of the logistics move and building websites and, you know, and, and doing all of the legal things to make sure that, you know, everything's, you know, all the, the minutia. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff, but, you know, I think in the end of it, that it's well worth my money that I've invested. It's well worth the time I've invested to be able to help these boys. And, you know, they've, these kids have come over since the last time we've talked, we've wrapped the motorcycle up. It's running, it's riding, it's ready to go. And, um, so some of, we brought some of the boys over to help with the final assembly and, and work. And, um, we, you know, we mentioned junior, um, junior earlier, he came over one day to, to help do some polishing on some, some little parts and stuff. And, and, uh, while he's doing some polishing, he, he scrapes his arm on the, uh, on the grinder. And, uh, and so I have to say that now these kids have put in, they definitely put in the sweat, <laughs> sweat. because working in the garage is hot. Uh, but he's actually put his blood into this motorcycle and, to to make them more part of it is to me worth more than, you know, just me out, you know, assembling in a motorcycle or building a motorcycle to know that those boys have invested in it and that they're part of this project. Purpose is an amazing kind of fuel. It is. So let's, uh, let's circle back to how do you come to know, uh, Quentin? Um, I mean, you're a massive, I'm thinking, I'm, I, when you came in here, I'm thinking this guy was probably a fullback. And then you told me you're from Canada, and I'm like, do they have fullbacks in Canadian football? Hockey, I don't right? know, what, right? What, yeah, what, well, he's not built like a hockey player. Does, does Canada have football? They have an amazing yeah, football. They, they have a okay. professional CFL yeah, football I, I'm league. From the back in fact, Tennessee. if you if you Google CFL, which is for for me is choppers yeah, for life, yeah. you, 
before Chopper's League? League. Canadian Football League. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a homework to do now. <laughs> That's where um, I think I'm trying to think if it was Doug. No, Doug Flutie played in the USFL. He played in the CFL. Did he play in the CFL? Okay, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. I thought he was the one that. I just think I, Canada, I, I love cold, football. ice, hockey works. Yeah. Have you been to, to Canada? No, man. I like Let me that. tell you something about Canada because I grew up in Detroit. Right, oh, so you know Canada. You've been yeah, because when you turn nineteen, you can go to you can go to Canada, and Canada has well, you can go to Canada whenever 18, you want. Yeah. But at nineteen, you can drink in Canada. Oh, eighteen, can you know? Because yeah. it was eighteen back or nineteen back then, yeah. and we were way to be twenty one in Detroit. So the ride over wasn't so bad. The ride back was not so good because <laughs> you're all trashed. No matter, <laughs> you know why were you here? Uh, 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 uh yeah. <laughs> not to mention. And I never did this. I'll go on the record and say this because if had I known, I would have. I'll be honest about that. They have complete nude bars, <laughs> which they didn't have in Detroit. You forgot to say I digress. I digress. Yes, I've been married for twenty six years to a wonderful woman that I've been with for twenty nine of the twenty nine years. So um, I'm not looking. You know, you don't go out for hamburgers when you have steak at home. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, the way I was working with, with Danny Glover uh, at the time, the actor from uh, uh, Lethal, Weapon. Lethal Weapon. And we were doing an event. I invited Danny to attend, and last minute um, things got messed up. But I had met Quentin about two or three weeks earlier by a mutual friend. He had come down to do some things regarding the uh, uh, film commission in the Florida Film Commission. And um, what I didn't know was that Dan, that uh, Quentin was in a, uh, a Danny Glover movie as an extra that was filmed in New York City. <laughs> and so when I called um, Quentin and I said, "Hey, Danny would uh, was not able to attend this uh, this event. Would you fit in, fill in for him?" He's like, "Hell yeah, I will." So we showed up. I had to let everybody know that Danny wasn't going to be there. Um, did a kind of like a, "Hey, has anybody seen the Blind Side?" And of course, every single person yeah. put their hands up. And so I kind of announced that, you know, uh, that we have, that Daddy's not going to be able to make it there, but we have even better. We've got uh, one of the stars of the blind side. <laughs> hey, the glass and, is half full. And I, and I said, even been. even better than that, it's not Sandra Bullock. And everyone's like kind of looking at me like, really? And so I introduced Quentin and the place just went nuts. And he was amazing. Quentin spent the whole night signing autographs, taking pictures, getting his shirt pulled in all kinds of directions. Hey, hey, Big Mike. Hey, Big Mike. Hey, Big Mike. Um, he was gracious and just amazing, you know. And so we were, had already planned to go to Charlie's Steakhouse the next day. So I invited him, said, hey, come on for a nice steak with us. Let me, you know, so we can say thank you for coming and doing such a great job. So he came out and I asked him, had you ever thought of doing your own, you know, foundation or charitable work? And he let me know that he, you know, since the blind side, he had been invited to a lot of events. And so I said, if you were going to do something, what would you do? And he immediately told me about, you know, how he was bullied as a kid and, you know, it's, it's hard to believe looking at him now, but um, so I said, then then start something, do something. You know, you weren't given this opportunity just so you could make money and, and be famous, you know, and so about a month later, he called me up and he was like, hey, I heard that you're not working with Danny anymore. I'm like, how'd you hear that? He goes, oh, don't worry, I got ways. Yeah. And then, he, um, so he asked me if I would help him start his foundation. And initially, I was going to just help him get it started, help him, you know, recruit and, and, and train up an executive director to help him fulfill his mission without him having to spend, you know, hundreds of days a sure. year yeah, doing it. Sure, streamline it, it and yeah. come in as kind of the front end and so coordinator. He, um, we got it started, and then um, 
you know, six years later, seven years later, we had already been to 42 states. We spoke to over 550,000 kids in person uh, with almost every one of them getting a picture with Big Mike. If you pull up, you Google Big Mike and, and anti-bullying or foundation, you're going to see millions and millions of posts and pictures of Quentin and I speaking with kids. And so um, that's been a, a blessing, you know, to, to get an email of a kid trying to get a hold of Big Mike, letting him know that they were about to commit suicide uh, until they met him and heard about what he had gone through and that it was so much worse than what they had gone through. And yet he was able to, to make it through it and still be successful. And so that they were gonna, they were gonna keep going. So mm. not only did they, did they take a story that has a, a very interesting arc to it from somebody who was not privileged and mm -hmm. but they found somebody to, to fill that role i mean quentin i'm i'm, I'm gonna go i've seen the movie but i'm gonna be very ignorant here quentin is the actor that played my character Lord. right Correct. so quentin had a similar arc in his life i mean there's some parallels there obviously oh my god quentin quentin grew up with just his mother and his uh, his brother uh, jared who by the way actually lives and works at forgotten angels um but Quentin's mother found him the role. Um, he went to the audition literally the next day, killed it, went for a re-read, uh, killed that. Um, they sent him out to California to read for the director, killed that too. Uh, but sadly, between the audition and the beginning of filming, his mother passed, Laura Aaron, who by all accounts was an incredible uh, woman just like my mother. And um, so, what happened was, is before um, the, the the phone call to go to Atlanta to start filming, um, his brother had just turned 18 before she passed, so that none of the money that she was going to get could be passed along because she she was very sick and there was medical money and uh, Medicaid, Medicare, the whole sure. bit. So Quentin's trying to hold the family together, trying to keep the apartment uh, one by one. You know, all the utilities fall like dominoes. No cable. The water goes out. The electricity goes out. He's doing everything he can to make ends meet, just to pay for some food. You're literally walking around the apartment in candles. Um, comes home after doing a day job, looks on, gets the pink slip, three-day notice of eviction. So he's thinking, I, I got some time here. So the first day, he's just panicking, trying to find some jobs. Second day, he's got some phone calls, and he really has some, some prospects for some jobs on the third day. And on the third day, he gets a phone call, and it's... The producer of the Blind Side say, "We want you to be Big Mike." I, I don't. I don't know how to. I don't even know how to even wrap my head around that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's you know? it, it's it's big, and you know what's really amazing is that you know people. You know, I've I've been around a lot of celebrities. What a lot of people don't realize about the celebrities is not the celebrity status that changes them; it's the idiots that try to get into their personal space, try to contact them, try to touch them inappropriately, do things that they just shouldn't be doing. And as a result, they have to create some space that's, that, that kind of comes across as arrogance and, and, you know, and, and a poor attitude. But Quentin is the most approachable celebrity I've ever, I've ever encountered. 
you can walk up to him on the street. You know, there's I've been asked, are you his bodyguard? And I asked, are you stupid? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, are you blind? You're like, uh, yeah, l- l- no, nah, we're good. Yeah, I think I think I think we're OK, you know, but he'll sign autographs. He'll take pictures. And what's amazing is, is a lot of times you'll see that 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 picture face, you know, that people make is like. Yeah, you know, and they're, that, that it's so disingenuous the way they do it. Quentin genuinely, you know, likes to meet people and say hello. And if he's having a day where he really doesn't want to meet people, he just doesn't go out. But I mean, there you go. There, there's, there's that. There's a very, there's, there's a lesson in that statement oh, right absolutely. there. Like, like, you know, don't, don't put yourself in harm's way emotionally, physically, yeah. monetarily. You know, in in all in all those yeah. ways. Unfortunately, he's going to get a second look no matter. He, he you know, I mean, he yeah, literally he's, he's dwarfs massive. everybody. Yeah, <laughs> at six eight, you know, almost five hundred pounds, he's a big man. You know, so people and, and being black, people automatically look and they just like they think he's got to be a football player. They just don't know which one. You know. Yeah. And then you get thousands of people who see him and go, "I recognize him from somewhere." You know, because right. he doesn't have the little the little fro that he used to have. He's got he's bald and he's got a goatee. That's the way he carries himself under normal circumstances, you know. Um, but he's just a, he's just a, a super cool guy, and we're you know I've, I've been honored to work with him, and I'm so grateful that he supports Forgotten Angels. And we'll be doing some PSAs for um, Weems Motor Co. with um, some of the organizations that are, are about to support Forgotten Angels. So it's been pretty cool. So that's how I met Quentin. And, uh, it's been a good relationship. Have you always been in the nonprofit space? No. You know what? I, I, I moved to Florida originally you know, because of football. And... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. That, I recognize him from that picture, yeah. for sure. And... Um, you played football college? No, actually, I, I played basketball in college. Okay, uh, and this foot, this fullback look that you're seeing is, yeah. is you know, is 53 years of, you know, one pound a day. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so yeah, no, I was a receiver. Okay, yeah, I was a receiver. Really? Yeah. Okay, receiver, so you got some TV. ups. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could run with the best of them. I could jump with anybody, and I had great hands. Um, so I ended up playing football in, in Canada and in the United States. And then what happens is you end up being in circles of people that, you know, are doing other things for other people. You right. know? And then you, you start getting asked, hey, I know you know this, I know you, you know that. Um, when I first came to Florida, I went to a church, uh, exciting Central Tampa Baptist Church, and I walk in and, and I'm like, I recognize that bald head. And then about five minutes later, turns around, and there's Tony Dungy, you know, and, and Tony's just an incredible individual. Also, I gave him his space, but we had this little thing where halfway through the service, everybody gets up and greets somebody. But he's, um, you know, I tried not to make it look like I was running right towards Tony Dungy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I shook one hand in between him and I. And then the next service, Leroy Summons there, you know, right. and, and just two absolutely incredible individuals, you know. And so when I started doing events, Tony was always gracious to sign a football or do things like that. Um, through relationships, I met Derek Brooks a long, long time ago. I was um, I was contracted to do a book for the NAACP okay. uh, for their 100th anniversary called Standing Up for Freedom. And I had interviewed Leroy Summon. And by the way, I actually even have, I still have the, the interview uh, of myself interviewing Leroy Summon. No one's ever heard it before, not even the family. And... Um, the NAACP decided they were not going to do a book, that they're going to do a documentary instead. So that got all scrapped, but all the interviews are there. 
So I you have like audio of these? Yeah, yeah. I've I got a great interview with Dude, that, that's uh, with, gold. Uh, re, uh, with Romeo Cornell, with Derek Brooks. So what you do is you start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, and you unpack those things yeah. and, and share those things. Yeah, I haven't. You know, I I became very very good friends with Chris Selman, Leroy's youngest son, and um, I told him about the 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 interviews and he just, you know, at the time he says, well, the family's not ready. You know, just sure. Oh, keep, I, I, keep yeah, on ice. I understand that. And you know, the, the, the week before, uh, Leroy passed, you know, I was talking to him in church and he's one of those guys that, you know, he puts his hand on your shoulder when he's looking, when, he, when you're talking to him, he looks you dead in the eye and he's present, you know, and he's there's very few yeah. people who have that. Yeah. That is, that is not a skill. No, it's, that it's is not. a talent. It really is. Derek Derek has it also. Derek Brooks, um, he he came to an event that I had uh, I was supporting, and uh, he ended up arriving late. My cell phone died. He couldn't find the place, and he shows up. And the same day, Derek's supposed to be taking his kids to uh, GameStop in Ybor City, so he comes in. Is I'm sorry, I'm late. Da, 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 you know, and so. We get started right away. He's taking pictures with every single one of the kids there, and all the kids had disabilities. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those kids thought that Derek Brooks showed up there just for just them. For them. Yeah. That's good. Incredible, beautiful dress. That's a nice shirt. You're so handsome. Oh my gosh, I love ponytails. Like they just had something unique and sincere to say to every one of those kids. And then as we're walking back out, I'm trying, I'm trying to shoo Derek out because I know he's got somewhere to be. And of course, all the parents are bum rushing sure. them and wanting to get a picture. We get to the door and we we had a whole table of stuff for Derek to, to autograph, but he was already late for his own event, let alone ours. And so he's, he says to me, um, and I'm thinking he's about to just book for the door. He turns around, looks me dead in the eye and he goes, is there anything else I can do for you guys? Hmm. You know, he had already called and said, get them more quarters and more coins, you know, right. And he was late, but he was still, still there for our event. It was just amazing. Just amazing. Cause I would have been running. Oh, I got to get out of here. I got to leave, you know, and it was a great lesson for me too. slow you down, know, to slow down, smell the roses, um, make sure that you understand that you're accountable for what you say you're going to do. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I've, I've met. Um, ironically enough, I've I've met Sandra Bullock, mm-hmm. and uh, I used to have um, what I would consider a passing friendship with uh, her ex husband Jesse, mm-hmm. who who's you know West Coast Choppers, mm-hmm. and there's another guy, this guy right here, Billy Lane, yes. and so in our business in the motorcycle business that's about as famous as you can get you know right there and, and jesse and there's a few other people that you know in our industry are that famous but i'm friends with a guy named xavier muriel who was the drummer for buck cherry and he was telling me about billy that they would go places with buck cherry you know backstage and that and that he would be more He'd get more attention. More attention. Get he'd be more famous. Everybody, all the other guys from all the other bands wanted to meet him. Mm-hmm. And when you meet him, he operates at such a high level of intelligence. And Jesse does the same thing. Jesse can tell you when he met you, what you were wearing, where you were at. I mean, recall everything. That's and incredible. I've seen him do it. I've watched Billy do it. Uh, my former business partner Evan was talking to him. And I was standing right there, and he's like, hey, Billy, I met you on Main Street. Because I remember you. 
he met him at the Full Moon Saloon. He's like, yeah, your girlfriend had red hair and you had that, that plaid shirt on. Da, 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 da. He go, and Billy goes, I'm a regular guy, man. He goes, I just remember everything. He looks down at Evan's shoe. He goes, your shoe's untied. He jumped down there and tied Evan's shoe. And Evan wow. was like, we were both like, what? That's, That's And awesome. what I'm getting at is, it w- to allude to what you said, is that People that are super successful, that's not, that doesn't, that's, a, that's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. Even people that are, that have substance abuse problems or are management issues, guys like Axel Rose, you know, um, those guys, they operate there. There's, there's like wavelengths, right. Mm-hmm. And, and bandwidth. And those guys have so much bandwidth because they're like on their own 5G network yeah. of things where it's not a mistake. These are people that put in, they have natural talents. They recognize their natural talents. They work on their natural talents and it allows them to do all these other things. Mm-hmm. It's like when you hear about um, uh, bands breaking up. You're like, why would Guns N' Roses break up? Why would Van, why would Van Halen not want to play with David Lee Roth, yeah. right? And then you realize that all these people, it's, people want to just attribute it to egos. Well, that's only one part of it. Mm-hmm. You have all these people who operate. They're at the highest level of their game, right? And they're operating in this, in this space that only a few people can occupy. And to circle back to that book that I had to read when I started teaching at that Title I school, no meaningful, no meaningful advances can occur without a meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. And so there's rules, right? Mm-hmm. There's rules to every socioeconomic group of people, people that are in abject poverty you mentioned um quentin happened to he had three days Mm -hmm. he had to do this that and this to make sure that they they know how to operate in that space their bandwidth is used for that and when you hear that somebody is using bandwidth for something like that it's Mm heart-wrenching and then when you move up a class in 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 things there's rules there's rules at the bottom there's rules at the top and i don't mean bottom is in bad i just mean like you know in the social economic ladder you know, in the in that same book, they talk about a middle class family that just through no fault of their own loses everything. Mm-hmm. You know, dad loses the job, mom wasn't working. It's happening now. It is happening happening now. It happened in '08. It you know, and it's happening again now in in very different ways. But they don't know the rules down here. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and even so with, even within to, the rules, I mean, I, I call it sitting in a revive a revolving cycle of suck. You need a you need a job, but in order to get a job, you have, you have to have, to have a an car. address and a car. Or, yeah, and if you don't have a car, you can't get to work. So it's like the, those simplistic things that you know we sitting at this table can say that you know that we've been blessed enough to to be able to overcome those. But these boys that are at, out at, at Forgotten Angels, man, we're coming back, you know, to that to where they're coming out of a situation where they may not have a car. They definitely don't have a job. Some of them don't have a high school diploma. You know what? you know, can they do to get themselves out of this revolving cycle of suck? And that's where Forgotten Angels are coming to those kids and saying, hey, I'm going to help you to kind of gain the knowledge, number one, to gain the resources, number two, and and we're here to support you when something does fall through. Like when you lose your job, what does that look like? Well, so I consider what I know of Forgotten Angels in and of itself, any young man that ends up there, I consider that a success story. They okay. have a support system. Now. So, so that's that's their first success, though, right? Success isn't isn't mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. So, walk me through. Let's walk me through how that process. Somebody arrives at your doorstep. They successfully got to Forgotten Angels. So they have that's that's 
there's, it took a lot of work to get there. Yeah. This isn't, you know what I mean? You, when you talk about the person living in their car, the person, what about the kid who doesn't have a car to live in? Uh-huh. So let's talk about, let's say somebody is successful enough to get the Forgotten Angels. What's, what happens? How, how do we help them? Well, we've had kids show up walking. Junior walked all the way from Tampa to Valrico. He didn't have any money. He had his cell phone, but he couldn't transfer the cell phone minutes to money anyway. He, he walked there. We've had, uh, we have homeless kids that are here. Um, we have kids that we don't get any support financially from the government if they're if they've aged out already and they or they weren't are not aged out we just take all the kids but it all starts off with a walk around the property with me where we talk about what our mission is uh in support of their mission um and i literally do i walk around with them for 20 30 minutes and we talk about some of the rules we talk about expectations we talk about you know you know what are some of your goals you know what's your favorite car um, where would you like to live? Where have you lived? What kind of support do you have? How many friends do you, you know, stay in contact with? Um, but we have standards. Um, if you're not working, you got to have a job. If you're in school, if you're not in school and you haven't got a GED or a high school diploma, it's mandatory. So you got to go to school. Cindy and I both are big on education. Um, they people don't realize how many times in their lifetime they're going to ask either verbally or on an application, you know, highest level of education. Right. You know, we have mandatory counseling for those who have had some, um, some struggles along the way, whether it be with abuse, um, you know, from parents or, or caregivers. Um, some of the kids have had, had made some mistakes. The, the kid who was selling um, uh, marijuana to support the, uh, the household also, when he came to us, we, we saw that, um, and I, I'll, I'll digress a bit, but it'll make sense to you. Um, it, there on his, had a police record that was um, five counts of assault with a deadly weapon. And we're like, we're not letting this kid come to our property. Right. Um, and that was, that was the initial response. And then I said, you know, we don't even know the circumstances around that, you know. And, and Cindy was like, well, 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 how could there be good circumstances <laughs> around it? But... Um, he showed up, and I and we asked him what happened. He had witnessed um, this young lady. I can't. I don't know if she was white or black, but she had cut clearly cut off another car of people, um, and he passed them both, not thinking it was a big deal. You know, they were kind of accosting her. But she, he right when he passed her, she turned in somewhere behind him, and he witnessed the other car turn in behind her, her also. And he thought that was too big of a coincidence, so he turned his car around, came back out, saw the guys getting out of the car, heading towards the, the, the woman. Well, he had a BB gun, kind of pulled it out, used it to kind of get them back in the car. Um, when they were leaving, they flipped them off. He shot their bumper. Police officer saw it. There's three kids in the back seat. Five accounts of assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> I don't think we're thinking. So wait a second. So we we one of the things that we recognize is we need to hear from them. You know, what's their story? Why are they at our doorstep right now? And then the big question is: is can we help them? And so far, we haven't had anybody that we've turned around. I don't think that there's anyone that we can't help. We have kids at different levels. Some of the kids are just are literally have have a couple of years of, of of college underneath their belts, and some of the kids you know, um, only have three or four, you know, um, uh, 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 I always mess up with the, the United States education, but I guess you need a certain amount of points to graduate. Credits. Credits, credits. Yeah. yeah. They only had three or four So the credits. credit deficiency. Yeah, so 
So we put them in. We put them in school. We have tutors that come to the property and work with the kids. Um, So really, it's just to get them the bare minimum, so they can be a you know what the what society considers them a productive member of society with the with what the you know making the quote unquote you know the 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 basics. Right. Um, a smile on their face, clean clothes, and a high school education. Little, little bit of charm school too. A little bit right? of charm school. Too. That oh was my a, God. That I, was I still need charm school. <laughs> that was a tough thing as a high school high school teacher, and I was I, I did it in a you know I'm a I'm a uh, reprimand in private, reward in public kind of guy, <laughs> but it would be hey man you got a minute let me talk like how are things do you oh. need some you know and I had I one particular there there's one particular student who will remain nameless that needed he didn't have parents grandma was kind of making sure that he, he had you know that he had somewhere to sleep but he didn't really have anywhere that was his mm-hmm. you know he had a truck grandma got him a truck grandma was great mm-hmm. but grandma passed his senior year oh. so he wasn't outdoors but he was kind of floundering mom wasn't very active stepdad wasn't very active dad had passed away uh grandfather was very active in his life it had passed away early on and grandma drove a tow truck Oh, and didn't go. take hardcore grandma took no, no crap from anyone and i met her <laughs> several times and uh this kid just no one ever told him he needed to clean the sleep out of his eyes no one told me he needed to brush his teeth no one told me he needed to take a shower every day you know what i mean like so mm-hmm. that stuff's important to me cleanliness is next to godliness with me and and so uh at least think he needed to hear it right right and i can proudly say and i can show you on my instagram he just had his first kid He's a certified working welder. He's got a race car. He's semi-professional race car driver. I mean, this kid is ticking all the boxes. Nice. And the thanks I get is I get to look at that on Instagram, right? Uh-huh. You know, you've got them. You've gotten messages from people that you've helped, and there it's it's you get to take a minute for yourself and say, okay, you've you've made some sort of an impact, right? Yeah, I, I actually I don't even read them. <laughs> I don't. Um, my my purpose is not to glorify myself with accolades from other people. I I really you know my father was the type of person that would never drive past a person on the side of the road, never. And you know I learned the lesson hard. I've told a lot of people. You know I was on the way to the United States. We were going to go to a drive-in, which meant it was just me and my dad. I met Dairy Queen and Burger King. Right. And all of a sudden I see this guy. And my dad kind of pulled out around him, and he was pushing a motorcycle. Um, come to find out later on that the, his chain had, had, had fallen off and went into the water. You couldn't even find it. Because, you know, you can, you can wire a, a chain yeah. back together yeah. and still ride. You know, if go, go carefully. Don't put too much dark on it. So my dad says, we're going to help this man. And I, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, well, where does he got to go? It's almost dark. This movie's going to start soon. Yeah, right. He lived past where we started, which is about 45 minutes. So we weren't going to see this movie. And we drove all the way back. My dad dumped me off at the house. He picked up a two by ten to help him get the motorcycle off the, the Ford Ranger that he had. And he comes back and he gets in the house and he's like, Are you okay, son? And I blasted him. You chose him over me. I'm your son. We were supposed to go to a movie. Blah, 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 blah. And so he hit me with a little, a little um, simple question. If that was your mother out there, would you want him to stop? Uh. Uh, that's not a fair question, but it's a... Totally fair question. Right. So we got through it. I finally agreed that it was the right thing to do. And then he said, well, I left some things in the truck. Go grab them out there for me. So I ran into the truck and he had There's bought Dairy two Dairy Queen. Two, and no, two pizzas. Okay. There was movies. 
and there was there was ice cream. That's a good day. And um, and we spent the whole night watching movies, playing basketball. We threw the you know the baseball around. It was just amazing. But you know, I look back on that moment and and I realize that you know I'm like 11 or 12 years old. That now the lesson that I learned early on has really helped me from my entire life. And 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 yes, it's true. I, I subscribe to the more that you do for other people, the more that comes back to you. But the stuff that comes back, I really, I just really don't want it. I really, yeah. I really honor my my mother and my father with the things that I do, and, I'm, and that's all I want to do. I don't really, you know, you want to say thank you, say thank you. Yeah, well, that and that's what I meant by that was, that, yeah. you know, I think everybody has a bucket, yeah. you know, and as long as you're not taking from someone else's bucket to fill yours, mm-hmm. if your bucket ends up full, that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, you know? I don't even look for another bucket to pull from, man. I'm yeah, like, you can't. I'm but like, there are people who do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh no, there's there's tons of people out there that do that. And Those I'm people like, need a hug. Yeah. <laughs> they need they need a pizza and they need a front seat of a ranger with some pizza. And some, you know, there's a lesson in that, right? And it's oh, a, yeah. there's an arc to that story of you know where it comes full circle. Yeah. There's you know. there's a guy uh, since uh, I've been doing the build and everything, and as I tell people, you know, most of the time I just say, hey, I'm building this bike. You know, I don't I don't get into a whole lot sure. of logistics and stuff like that. And, uh, and there's this guy, his name is Doug. He's actually, uh, clo- like, I guess you'd call him a neighbor. He's a few houses down. And, uh, and so he's seen me out in the garage working and stuff like that. And, and he works on woodworking stuff out in the garage. And so I went over to him one day and I was like, I was like, Hey man, what kind of stuff you do? You know, just striking up a neighborly conversation. And he was showing me some of the stuff, found out we're both military vets and, um, and I was like, oh man, you know, it'd be really super awesome if, if I can commission you because I'm all about helping other yeah. people, you know, I'm like, if I can commission you to make this, you know, the stand for the motorcycle to be on display and started talking about the bike and what it was. And he was like, dude, my dad was a bike guy. And, uh, and, and he was like, and then I found out about forgotten angels and what I'm doing. And he was like, dude. I don't want anything for this. I want to support what you're doing. And, you know, to find, you know, that you're, you try to help somebody else. And on the flip side, it's a very humbling situation where they say, no, I'm supporting you for what you're doing. And it's that, that bucket getting filled up from other people. You know, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. And he's made this incredible, uh, the stand. And if you guys see it, you know, at the shows, you're going to see the motorcycle set on it's engraved with the David Mann signature and all of this stuff to promote. And it's just amazing to see. And there's been tons of people that like, you know, it's sad because I'm at the end of the build and the bike's ready for display and you know, the raffle starts. Um, cause I have so many people, man, man, I would have painted the bike for nothing for free. I would have taken care of, you know, these things I would have got to give you these parts. And, you know, we've, we've, uh, Bill from Biltwell, he's like, he jumped on board. He's like, you know what? We have this, this gringo helmet that's painted in the same I scheme. Saw that. Very cool. He's like, we're giving that to you to, to throw in as a prize. And Tyler from Lowbrow Customs, man, he sent like this huge packet of stuff. And, and then the David Mann official store, they've donated a bunch of things. So it's, it's awesome to see that even on the backside of the project that so many people are like, how can I support? And I'm like, and I still daily, I get emails. And I'm like, everything's kind of locked in. I'm like, that's awesome. I was like, so I've just started pointing people to forgotten angels. So like, just go to their website. They have a donation button right at the very top of it. Go donate to them. I was like, yeah, you can buy the raffle tickets off the website, uh, off of our website and it'll go to support them too. Um, but you know, if all else, if you're not into motorcycles, just go to their website, donate to them, man, because that's what I'm doing. I'm donating to them. So if you want to do that too, man, let's partner up and make it happen. So is this a lifetime pursuit? Is this is this somewhere where you can hang your hat? 
or you know i mean you you've said that you're you've been involved in several different things i mean oh i'm done what do you mean? <laughs> this, this is, this, forgotten, this, forgotten Angels and 3604 Little Sturds is my final resting place. That's good, right? Yeah, yeah, so we, we, we purchased the property privately for Forgotten Angels. Okay. So Forgotten Angels didn't have the resources to purchase 12 and a half acres with two lakes on it. So Especially in a nice place, too. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, out in... F- you know, somewhere in, you know, an hour and a half from here. I mean, it's, yeah. it's in Lithia, right? Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, it's, 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 accessi- it's accessible. It's yeah. well, and the, it the, feels like it's in the country, but we're, yeah. we're, we're like three minutes from a Walmart, two minutes from Publix. Uh, it's, it's a super cool place. Like yeah. the first time I went out there, I was like, he gave me the address and I didn't do the Google earth thing or anything like that. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's kind of in this neighborhood area. And as I'm driving, I'm like, it just kind of opens up into like, you're, you're literally a mile off of a busy road, and then you're sitting on a 12-acre property with two lakes and all of these tiny homes and this great pavilion that kind of overlooks the lakes. I'm like, man, this is an incredible – if this isn't, like, a perfect place for, you know, for these boys to, to get – uh, themselves under their feet, man. How incredible is it to, you know, Walmart? Yeah, it's just right down the road. You have all these resources. So these kids are, you know, the ones that are looking for jobs, man. What it, one just got the job at, at a, at a ice cream shop right down the street, you know, so they have resources. If they don't have a vehicle, they could, you know, jump on a bicycle and ride over to, to work. It's, it's awesome. Beautiful property. I'm excited, you know, to, to go and hang out there. So how many tiny homes do you have on the property? Right now we have one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple of specific questions because it, it, it very much interests me. Um, what is the requisite for a tiny home? What, what, what is a tiny home at, at Forgotten Angels? Well, so can, us, I'm going to describe it to my listeners so that they can hear kind of what, what we're talking about. Yeah. For, you know, for point of reference for size, we call them a tiny home, but it's more like a tiny dorm. Okay. Um, they're they're big enough to have a bed, uh, tiny refrigerator, air conditioner, TV, um, little desk, um, and then their personal belongings. You know, if they want to hang their bike on the wall, they can do that. Uh, but there's no ref- there's no cooking facilities and there's no toilet facilities. Um, we have one house that has um, all the. the toilets and they they all use the same kitchens and stuff we have another pavilion where they can cook we have uh so they learn about community in this oh yeah 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 and um cindy's always teaching them how to cook different things we have five refrigerators two freezers full of food um and actually we have our um a gentleman his name is paul he's a a a, um, an architect he went out and found a, a company that actually produces these walls um, to build for you know for buildings, but it's all inclusive. It, ha- it includes the exterior wall with an interior panels, you know, the yeah. insulation, and in the interior walls, and you just kind of put them together like Lego, and they're going to create a, a four toilet, four shower bathhouse with lockers in them and stuff like that for the property. So let's just say that somebody's sitting there and they're like, "Oh, that's a great idea." What does it cost to put a tiny home on your on your property? It varies. It's anywhere from $250 to $6,000. And the discrepancy is, is some of them, we just went out and purchased the, the, uh, the shed and converted them into the tiny homes, put in the flooring, uh, insulation, walls, AC, you know, Alticode. 
um, and then some that we actually just purchased outright. And we actually have one that was uh, one that was donated. It was just a, somebody was using it as a shed, a, a workshop. We gutted it and built it right back up for one of the for one of the boys to live in. I can't wait to see. I, I want to. I, I like literally. I have to go to Sturgis on Tuesday, but I I just want to. I don't know. I you ever see somebody you want to give them a hug? I want to give this project a hug. No, that's, you know, I mean, and every one of those boys over there, they come over to that garage and stuff. Every time I go over to the property to see them, man, I'm just like, I'm stoked to see those guys. And, you know, Saturday, I, I mean, I don't know when you're going to be airing this or whatnot, but Saturday, August 1st, we're doing the kickoff for the raffle at the Forgotten Property, uh, Forgotten Angels Property. And there's a bunch of uh, local bike riders from the Tampa Bay area are meeting up at the Ride Factory in Ebor. Uh, at 10:30 in the morning, and they're all going to ride from there over to the Forgotten Angels property. I'm going to have the motorcycle out there on display, and have all the booths set up and stuff, just so people can get eyes on and meet some of these boys, and meet Cindy and David, and see what they're doing out there because, you know, they need they need eyes on. You know, a lot of people need to see what I'm investing in. And sometimes, you know, we jump on a website, and the websites can only can do so much. But when you put your your eyes face to face with another boy that's going through this stuff, man, it, it changes you. And it, it, it makes you want to be part of that. It makes you want to, you know, give your finances, give your time to, to sponsor and to help these guys so much. How long has this Forgotten Angels been uh, in, in play? Well, Cindy started it. She founded it in 2015, but we moved on to the property in, uh, it was, uh, April of 2019. So we've only been on that property for around uh, 18 months now. Okay. Um, but we've got 13 boys that live on the property. We've filtered through some. Some have loved, left Cycled voluntarily. Out. Yeah, and, and have moved on. Are doing well. Others just decided that they wanted to live closer to family. Which I mean, I I, I got nothing to say. Somebody yeah. says they want to go live close to their mom or their uncle. Or, you know what I mean? How much do you need for a cab or an Uber, and how can I support you when you're there? Yeah, that's all we can do. So, people that want to get in, where's what's the website? The website is www.forgottenangelsflorida.org, and Florida is completely spelled out. Um, there's a donate button, um, but really, what we would prefer anybody to do if they're if they live within you know Hillsborough County or you know, Polk County, Manatee, Bradenton, any of the surrounding areas, Pinellas, is to come by. There's always somebody there. Um, we are 100% uh, transparent. Anybody can drive on. There's there's no gates are locked. No one's gonna scare you off. No one's gonna treat you poorly. Um, there's always somebody on the property to welcome you. Um, all the guys are great. When Cindy and I are not there, like Cindy right now, we uh, is 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 taking a, a personal day. We have a one of the girls that we supported, we found out she passed yesterday. And so she's taking a personal day, and I'm off the property. But right now, as we speak, Junior, the boy that we were talking about, is with Jared, another Jared, at Amazon doing a pickup for, you know, donations for that Amazon has supported us with. So nice. we've always got something going on. If you want to just write a check, write a check. We, we'll, we'll use it. Um, we are, um, I mean, I'm a miser. I, I'm very fiscally responsible. I mean, I don't drive a... a you know, a, a Mercedes. I drive a 2007 beat up red beat up Ford, Ford pickup truck. truck. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, I, yeah, I'd love to have a, that new Mercedes, but um, I, I'd prefer to have a couple more diplomas, a couple more 
boys with their first cars uh, just in the last two weeks. We had three boys that got their first cars, you know, for the first time. Uh, a 1999 convertible Mustang that's leaking like a sieve. <laughs> we got a, a PT Cruiser that only had three wheels on it when we got it. <laughs> it's running now. <laughs> and then uh, uh, what else did we get? We got a, uh, two PT Cruisers, actually. Wow. Yeah, so we're, we're doing good. So the boys are, are doing great. You know, we're grateful for any support. It's not just money. If you have a particular skill or a talent and want to share it with the young men, um, the boys are always looking for work. Um, if you have um, uh, a business and are willing to employ some of the some of the young men, I, I, I put my own personal vouch behind them um, that they will be hardworking and forthright and honest. Um, or if you want to just you know take one of them, grab somebody, you know go take them for a, a cheeseburger. That'll work too. Yeah, give them a little bit of love. Yeah. That's it, man. Right? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming out. I appreciate being And here. so uh, I know we've got some details to work out, but uh, I, I really, really want to make sure that you understand that um, this Wheels of Steel show that's happening here uh, at the RP Funding Center the 5th and 6th of December, we will, we will make sure there's a space for the Forgotten Angels to be there so that you guys can, you know, make people aware of your cause firsthand, you know, put a name with the face. And, uh, and honored to be there. Things, honored man. to be there. Well, we're honored to have you. So. Yeah, man. Anything else that we need to, anything you want to tell us about Born Free? Have you heard any updates on Born Free, Jared? So I uh, talked, actually spoke on the phone uh, last week with Mike Davis, and uh, they're uh, moving forward with a September date, and everything's locked in. They do have an official meeting on August 5th uh, where they're going to be speaking with county officials. Uh, luckily, the show is just outside of the Los Angeles County Um borderline so sure. they they fall into a little bit more leniency so everything looks good right now um and i'm excited about doing that i'm gonna be like i said taking the bike all over you know um back and forth to california going to the chopper fest which is the david mann show right in december the week after we do wills is still yeah um, so you're gonna be a busy man Yes, traveling a lot. Uh, and if anybody has any questions on the bike, on the build, you can find all the information on my website, www.weemsmotorco.com. And that's where the raffle is going to be uh, headed through. You can get the tickets and everything right offline there. You don't have to be in person to purchase a ticket. You're, you can you know, donate right there through the website. The tickets are only 25 bucks a piece. Uh, if you want to make a generous donation, um, you'll get uh, of one hundred dollars. You'll get a bonus ticket. You'll get five tickets at a hundred bucks. So. And so, if you were going to go to www.forgottenangelsflorida, all spelled out, mm -hmm. org, and donate, if you go to Weems Motor Co. and buy the ticket there, one hundred percent of those proceeds go to Forgotten Absolutely. Angels Florida, mm -hmm. and you have a chance to win a motorcycle. So, yeah, it's kind of a win-win. Right. Win yeah. Win we, so we got four prizes. The first grand prize, you win the motorcycle and the limited edition print one uh, of the David Mann painting on canvas. Only one on canvas that will be produced. Uh, second place winner is going to win the Biltwell helmet. Third place winner wins the Lowbrow customs package. And then fourth place wins the Weems Motor Co. and David Mann official store package. So you got plenty of opportunity to win something. And, you know, what I always say is, you know, if you're that guy that just purchases, you know, $125 ticket, you're already a winner because you've invested into these, you know, these kids that need it so badly. So, you know, consider yourself part of it. And I know that this is, I know that you've, you've looked at all the different ways to do the raffle and you're doing a raffle based on time. So, but do you have a goal? 
I mean, is there like, hey, man, I really hope I sell X number of tickets. I mean, I, I, I want. The only I reason want, I'm asking that is because yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a movable metric. If you could see the the, I want I want you to go back to this thing eight months from now and go, man, we exceeded that by this much, right? Yeah, I'm, my goal is to put $40,000 into their pocket. Okay. And I, I don't think that that's, I, I think I'm shooting small. For the uh, quality I, think, of, I think you're un, under promise over deliver guy. Yeah. I like, I, I like I mean, where your head's at. <laughs> I, I like to keep myself humble. I know there's going to be a lot of work on my part. You know, there's been a lot of work building the motorcycle, but a lot of work promoting it, a lot of work driving back and forth across the country several times uh, throughout the fall. Um, which you're so, that you're you're bearing the burden of that, are you not? Yes, I am. Okay, yeah. I, there's I don't want to put anything on them. They have enough. No, to I do. understand that. I don't mean yeah. that, but I'm saying that I'm I'm putting that out there so that people understand the the space that even that the raffle sales is is going directly to. I've covered for, everything. Yeah. So, but you're I, paying for the fuel to go to California two mm -hmm. times out of your pocket. You're paying all the hotels. So all these everything. things. So if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you know I don't ask you for a lot. Uh, I am asking you to go to Instagram, go to Weems Motor Co. and give Jared a follow. And I'm also going to ask you to uh, to to buy at least one ticket. And uh, you know what? We should probably do some sort of some ancillary fundraising in the interim to cover some of your costs that you're going to have. And I'd like to try to come come up with something that we can do like I'm that. I'm not digging into your bucket, brother. No, no, but, but if I'm you just want saying, to pour into like mine, if we can come up, you know, can come up a with a, a secondary event that just promotes that. I mean, some sort of a. I've been wanting to do something here at the shop, and I wanted to call it the anti-social, just as a kind of a play on words. <laughs> brother, you plan it. I'll bring the, I'll yeah, bring the bike over. I'll bring I'll bring the booth over, and I'm sure David, you'll you'll come over, and you know, we'll maybe bring some of the boys over here with us too. I was man. just gonna we'll say, to let's uh, when we we'll, we'll wrap this up and we'll get off off the recorder. But I, there's some other things I want to talk with both you gentlemen about. But um, I appreciate you both coming out, David. Is there anything else you'd like to add for us? Yeah, just. Um I, I kind of briefly touched upon a young lady. Her name is Takeria Adderley. Um, she um, came to our attention uh, about two years ago um, when we learned that her mother was on her way to jail. And rather than let her two, uh, three brothers go into foster care, she decided she was going to take on that burden at 18 years old. Um, she was working here in Lakeland at the local Arby's. She was going to school full-time at Simmons Career Center and taking care of her brothers. Uh, we learned that um, she uh, went missing 30 days ago. Um, it was, the information came in slowly. We then found that they found her car. We then learned that there was blood in the car and we learned yesterday that she was murdered. And um, so Forgotten Angels is uh, officially going to open a, a home for young ladies who are in need of anything. It could be single mothers, it could be foster care, age out of foster care, it could be homelessness, it could be um, abuse, uh, it could be, you know, just the sex trade has been snatching up girls left and right. So we want to do whatever we can. So we're going to be opening a, a home and there'll be more details about that uh, on Forgotten Angels. But in the meantime, um, starting tomorrow, um, when you go to Forgotten Angels, uh, there will be a link to our website. We're going to be raising a little bit of money, maybe two, three thousand dollars to help the family uh, with uh, funeral arrangements. So if they could, um, if it's in your heart to help us um, with the service and um, you can go to Forgotten Angels, and there'll be information up there tomorrow. Okay, and her her three brothers, do, are they being cared for? Yeah, they're being cared for by their grandmother, um, and I th think her mother is 
is no longer incarcerated, so her mother will be able to, to help support. But we're going to keep an eye on them as well. Uh, Forgotten Angels is, you know, has primarily been for young boys that have aged out of foster care. Um, uh, but these kids, we, we were aware of them, so we're responsible for them. So we're going to keep uh, an eye on how they're being raised and making sure that they have what they need as well. Well, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Gentlemen, being here. Yes. Thank you both for coming on. You have been listening to the How Up News podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening.